This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is the Player Rating Show. Joining me today is Max Cohen from the Boot Room. In this episode, we will be discussing the performances of the phone players against Everton. This should be an interesting show. On top of that, we have some bonus topics we will be discussing before we get to talking about the players. But before we do anything else, I have to welcome my Cottage Talk co-host back to the show. He has done the trilogy once again of post-match shows. Max, how you doing? I'm doing well, Russ. Yeah, it's the third week in a row with this so-called three-peat, so I'm liking it. I'm, I'm loving the shows, and it's another loss. Hopefully, we can get a win sometime, but next week against <laughs> Arsenal, it's not going to be easy, but it's not, we, can still hope. we can still hope. <laughs> we can still hope, and I'm looking forward to that match. I'm not down on it at all. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see how full match up against Arsenal at Craven Cottage. I want to see if things are going to be different playing one of the uh, top six teams at Craven Cottage compared to playing Tottenham on the road and, of course, Manchester City. And we've just talked about Everton. I know they're not in the top six, but those were all away matches. Let's see what happens at home. So I'm looking forward to it. But let's talk about some news. And uh, let's start here, my friend. It actually comes from Sky Sports. It was an interview with Alex McLeish, the Scotland manager. And this has to do with uh, Tom Kearney. Here's some quotes from Alex McLeish, because I think these are interesting talking about Kearney. Quote, we contacted Fulham and we were told he wouldn't be available. He only played 20 minutes and it's nothing sinister. Whenever Tom is in the squad, he's integrated with the squad brilliantly. We would expect him to prolong his Scottish career. Max, I want to get your thoughts about this because there are a couple things going into play here. There's been speculation about potentially Kearney switching to England. I think that's where the comment about being sinister is about. And then, of course, my concern is while he's not available and Fulham told him that he's not available, that to me 
something that I think we need to talk about. What are your thoughts about these uh, comments from Alex McLeish? Yeah, just from a strictly Fulham perspective, I'd probably say it's good news in, in, one, in a way because we know a lot of players can go away on international break and then they pick up a knock or an injury and that, that hurts their club season. So I think it's kind of a sense of Fulham protecting Karen. He's saying you know, yep. he did play those kind of 15, 20 minutes on the weekend. But we, don't ha- we don't want him going away on their national duty where he could do something more um, to his body. They really want to protect him. And I think that's probably smart by Salisa uh, and, and the Fulham staff. Don't let your players be in situations away from the club setup when they get injured. Uh, and with regards to you know, his, his el- eligibility with England or Scotland, I mean, let's say Gareth Southgate does want to take a look at him. I can't really see Tom Kearney being an England player. I, I mean, I, I love him. I, I, just, I just can't see him being an England international. So I think his future probably is with Scotland. You know, he's never played a competitive match with them, so he, right. he can move to England. But I don't, I don't buy those rumors that Southgate might want to take a look at him. It's interesting because uh, it's a very talented side, England, right now. And uh, I would find it difficult for him to really get to where he would want to be. And that's starting. I think eventually, potentially, he could start for Scotland and obviously play a role for them. So uh, I agree with you. I, I think he sticks with Scotland. So that's one part of this story. The other part is playing with Fulham. And uh, when I first saw this, I got a little bit concerned. Well, what's going on with the injury? But it might just be exactly what you said, Max. This might just be protecting the player because we need him for this Fulham season. And uh, that might be what's going on here, more than my concerns that maybe there's something going on with the injury. There might not be anything going on. This might just be protecting Kearney. Yeah, we, and we have to protect him at all costs because we've seen it so many times. He's quite injury prone, yeah. and we try to bring him back, and then he gets injured again. I mean, we saw that yeah. for large stretches of last season when we didn't see Kearney at his best. And if you add international football into the fray, that's just another opportunity for things to go wrong. So, listen, just wrap him up a bubble wrap. Keep him in <laughs> London. Don't let him go north of the border. Alex McLeish, I'm sorry. We're going to have to keep Kennedy for the time being. I'm right there with you. I would rather him stay here. Not against, obviously, him playing for Scotland. That probably would be something that he would really enjoy doing, and I, I hope he gets that opportunity. But with the injury situation with him, I think it's best from a Fulham perspective that he doesn't go. So the fact that Fulham said, no, I'm down with him. I'm there with them on that. So it's uh, just something that I found was interesting, and it could just be the club just uh, protecting the player. Which... Yeah, and, and just with regards to Kearney and Scotland and England, you know. Yep. So it's just such an – I always love to think about this issue because you don't really have this in many other sports um, to the same degree. So Tom Kearney, born in England – um, I think, you know, either his grandparents or his parents yep. have some connections to Scotland, and that's how he qualifies. But I, I don't think Kenny would, would consider himself Scottish. So I mean, it's interesting he has kind of that role yep. um, playing for Scotland. You know, George Williams, another former film player, born in Milton Keynes in England, but qualified for Wales. I know. Uh, through his family. And then, Russ, uh, I bring it up now because I was watching the Burnley-Cardiff match okay. um, on Sunday, and I'm looking on the Premier League app to see who Burnley have on the bench. And I see Ashley Barnes the Burnley striker. And then I see the Premier League has nationalities listed to each player. And I see Ashley Barnes has Austria next to him. And I think, oh, this is surely a glitch. It's kind of embarrassing. The Premier League has gotten this one wrong. So I look up Ashley Barnes in Wikipedia. And his grandfather is Austrian. And Ashley Barnes played one match for the Austrian under-20 team in 2008. 
So he qualifies the Austrian citizenship. And I, I just thought that was a hilarious example of kind of how nationality and nationhood works in international football. We have Ashley Barnes, who I think probably ever would say, but one of the most English people you can imagine qualifying <laughs> through Austria through one of his grandparents. So that was just a really funny example, I thought. Listen, it's a great point. It's something that I always find fascinating. Here, you know, you and I are here in America, and both of us follow the U.S. men's national team, and a player that I always look at that, again, he had been involved for a very long time with the U.S. men's national team. So I understand why it really isn't questioned anymore. But I always think about Jermaine Jones. You know, again, a German player. He grew up in Germany. But because of the situation with his family, he then can play for the U.S. I I always find that, you know, again, interesting. Uh, Is it wrong or right? I don't know. That's obviously for a different type of show, my friend. But I'm glad that you brought up Ashley Barnes and, of course, the Kearney situation. It's just an interesting situation with uh, with football, international football, and how it works. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Fulham's next opponent in the Carabao Cup. Now, this happened Saturday night. We haven't talked about it yet, and it happens to be Manchester City on the road again. So first thought is, oh, boy, we're playing Manchester City. But I've given this some thought, Max, and I want your thoughts on this. I actually welcome this, and people are going to probably be surprised. Well, why would I welcome it? Because they're probably going to lose. Well, I think it's actually a great opportunity. And if I was Slavisa, I'd play the same team that played against Millwall because I think it's a great experience for some of these players to play against some of the best players in the world. So for me, going there, you're not expecting a victory, so why not play Luca Della Torre? Maybe have Harvey Elliott feature for like 15, 20 minutes. Get some of these fringe players and young players a chance to play against world-class players. So I don't see this as a bad thing. In fact, I'm looking forward to it because I want to see how some of these players play against Manchester City. I'm curious your view on this. Yeah, I mean, initial reaction, of course, I saw City away. I thought, oh, no, you know, is it going to be six, seven this time? Of course. And it's, it's, I think we can all say it's not going to be pretty. No. Um, but that's kind of the joy of it, you know. It almost takes the pressure off Salisa in some ways because whenever you're at the bottom half of the Premier League, focus turns to the cup competitions and there's always that debate, do you try to win it or do you try to tank to get out of it to focus on the league? And now I think that decision's almost made pretty easy for Salisa because there's no realistic chance we're going to win away at the Etihad. So he can experiment. He can play that Millwall team. And listen, it's going to be a great experience. I love that you brought up Harvey Elliott. If I was yeah. Salisa, I'd play Harvey Elliott. I'd start him. What better way to – because there's always a hype around him. He came on against Millwall sure. 15 years old. That's First of all, that's insane to think about, a 15-year-old playing first-team football. Put him away at the toughest place to go in England, at Champions. What, what a great first start that would be for him. And don't stop there. I'd say play a, a lot more academy graduates. Yep. You know, maybe play Tyrese Francois. Yep. Um, maybe play Matt O'Reilly. Tori Cessino, Matt O'Reilly. Um, I mean, I think the options are really endless because if you give these academy players a kind of baptism of fire, if you will, away at the Etihad, that's a moment they'll never forget in their careers. And right. it's also a moment just to see what they have, to play with freedom. Know it's kind of a free result. If we lose, we're expected to lose, but go play your heart out, see what can happen. Um, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't play anyone over the age of, honestly, 26, 25. <laughs> <laughs> well, Listen, you know, it's funny because at first glance you're thinking, oh, well, this is obviously a loss because 
we've already seen what they look like against Manchester City. Even Manchester City puts out their second team, which is very good anyway. Since, you know, again, so many of these players obviously could be starting. So it doesn't matter who they put out, honestly. We're talking about Manchester City. So my idea was, okay, fine. Let's play some of these players that, or maybe most of these players that played against Millwall and just let's see what they can do. Let them get the experience. And then, of course, we're going to be focusing on the league regardless. But then you have someone that might be thinking to himself, well, and I watched this, Derby County beating Manchester United at Old Trafford. Now, I'm sorry, Manchester United are are a very good side, and they put out a pretty strong side. I watched this, but this is Manchester City. They are just at a different level right now. So to think that Fulham can go back to the Etihad and get a victory, I just don't see it. So instead of taking the approach of let's go for it, well, let's give some young players a shot here and give them quality experience against these players. So that was just my thought on it. Maybe people will disagree with me, which is fine. All right, my friend. Finally, before we get into talking about the players, the ratings for them, and and some details on them, I have an article I want to read and talk about. It's actually by you, Max. It's on the boot room. It's entitled, Why Foam's Defensive Problems Will Only Get Worse, which doesn't make me feel good with the title, but I'm going to read through this, and then we're going to talk about it. This is what you wrote today. Fulham possessed the joint weakest defense in the Premier League with their 3-0 loss to Everton at the weekend, bringing their conceded goal tally to 16. Yet a double blow of unfortunate injury news at Goodison Park means the Whites' defensive woes will only increase in the coming weeks. Less than 10 minutes in, right back Timothy Fosu-Mensa struggled off the pitch and was rushed to the hospital after a suspected dislocated shoulder. And with five minutes to go at the end of the match, left back Joe Bryan hobbled off the pitch with a hamstring injury. Both players are expected to be out of the first-team squad for a number of weeks, making terrible news for a Fulham back four that is increasingly unsettled. The absence of Fosu Mensa and Brian will force Avisi Jokanovic to hand Cyrus Christie and Ryan Sessegnon starts in defense. Christie endured a torrid afternoon at Goodison, and Sessegnon is clearly better suited playing in a more advanced position. Despite the return of calming influence Tim Ream, Fulham's knack for conceding goals seems set to continue due to devastating injuries to both the club's first-choice fullbacks. Ouch. I read that. And again, there's nothing I can really dispute on that, Max. It's uh, the reality of the situation. So here's one thing that I want to ask you because I, I agree with your concerns because uh, both of these players uh, I expect to be the starting fullbacks once they're healthy. Giannis brought up a name of a player that could potentially play a left back. And he's actually going on the idea that he will be. I want to get your thoughts on uh, the player that he was talking about. I think you know who I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, so Maxime Lamarchand is, is I think, predominantly center back. I think that's the best position. Right. When, he, when he's played left back this season, I can think of some pretty high-profile mistakes he's made. And I think the Brighton match and the Burnley match kind of stand out, you know. Right. Um, he gave – he was playing center back in the Burnley match, I believe, but he gave away the ball playing out of the back in the Burnley match. And then against Brighton, he was exposed constantly when he was playing um, fullback. So I, I, I just don't see Saluza handing him a start at left back. I think he's, okay. he's not mobile enough. He's slow. He's bigger. He's more suited to play in the center 
the defense and out, out wide. And just based on who Solis has played the past couple of weeks, Sessegnon seems to be um, – his he's, he's been selected ahead of Le Marchand when Brian was out uh, yeah. for whatever reason. So I think he'll probably play Sessegnon there and let, you know, that kind of front three of Mitrovic, Vieto, and Scherler continue. That's just my prediction. Okay. And I'm not going to disagree with you there because when Marchand, I think, has looked better at center back, that's just my feeling. And I think if you're asking me, that's what he was brought in to do in secondary was to play left back. So I understand where you're going on. I just found it interesting that Giannis was uh, thinking about when Marchand just going right there, but you just brought up a good point is, you know, hey, he's been playing Sessignan a left back, so maybe that's what the plan will be moving forward. It's going to move all the pieces around again, like you said, and then settle back four. It's just going to continue until these guys get healthy. And um, I think the international break is coming at a decent time to give these players an additional week to get fit again, but I, I don't know when either one of these are going to be available. So it really is a headache. So unfortunately you have to bring it up and I agree with you for bringing it up and we're just going to have to see how Savisa manages it. But I do like the two of them as your fullbacks moving forward. And we're just going to have to see how Savisa is going to handle the situation. All right. Good stuff there, my friend. I'm glad that you wrote about that. And please do check out Max's article on the boot room. And of course, Max writes a bunch of stuff. So go to the boot room. It's a great website for fans of football in general. All right, my friend, let's now get into the player ratings. We, as always, use the ratings from Ryan O'Donovan from football.london. So let's go through his ratings, and I will ask you if you agree or disagree in your ratings as well. Let's start with Marcus Bettinelli. This is from the Everton match. He gives him a six. This is what Ryan wrote. Didn't really have much to do for most of the game except pick the ball out of his net. So do you agree with his rating? I'm, I'm going to agree, agree with that. Yeah, I think the six is fair. Actually, I've heard some stick for Ben Nell on social media, um, which I think is ludicrous, but for not moving for, you know, the goals. He figured some both goals. They said, oh, he was rooted to the spot, didn't even dive. But he got so unlucky with both of those strikes because the full defender blocks you in both instances. And you have to give credit to Sigurdsson for just curling the ball in kind of right. a perfect manner. But there's really nothing he can do about any of the three goals. I disagree with that criticism, by the way. Yeah, so, so do I. I think, and I thought, you know, he made that nice save uh, against Walcott. He did. He made a good save. I mean, although Zuma was offside in that instance, he made another good save off that free kick. And, yeah, didn't really look out of place. I think no. Nelly, he's, he's, he's had a tough time. You know, you can't say he's played poorly in any of the matches he started. But, of course, no clean sheet. But I think a six is definitely a fair rating. A good performance, but when he conceded three goals – you can't really expect to be rated much higher, I don't think. Okay, very good. All right, let's go to Joe Bryan, a left back. Ryan O'Donovan football, that one gives him a five. This is what he wrote. Was caught out a few times down the left in the first half when he wasn't sure whether to go to the man or stick in his position. Came off clutching his hamstring. We obviously just talked about that. Do you agree or disagree with his rating of a five? Yeah, I, I think a five is fair. I think on the... Um... The goal, Cenk Tosin's goal, Joe Bryan kind of got caught out um, when John Joe Kenny played the initial ball, and he caused Tim Room to move out of position. So that's kind of the one instance I'd look to where he probably could have done better. Apart from that, not really much going forward. Had a couple of deliveries, but nothing too dangerous. So I'd say altogether an average performance of five is fair. Okay, excellent. All right, let's talk about both right backs because Timothy Fosu-Mensa played for a very limited time. Ryan gives him a five. 
only lasted five minutes in the game after suffering an injury, being replaced by Cyrus Christie. So now let's go to the rating for Cyrus Christie. Ryan gives him a six. This is what he wrote. Did well after coming on going forward, despite being given the unenviable task of dealing with Richarlison. Didn't deliver enough into the box. Do you agree or disagree with his ratings for Mensa and for Christie? Yeah, I mean, Mensa, you can't really give him a rating. Like five is, that, that's average. That's that's what I'll go with. Um, but Christie, I mean, you know, I, I see Ryan as, as a harsh rater, and that's just very – maybe it's the Irish connection, but that's very generous. Um, I, I think three and a half, four is, is what I would give Christie. To say he did well when coming on, I don't, I don't think he can necessarily say that. I think he did poorly when he came on. He was, in my mind, the worst player on the pitch for Fulham. Definitely looked out of place uh, there. Got beat out by Richarlison. Caught a very early booking, which really constrained him the rest of the match. And going forward, I mean, a number of times, just terrible delivery. Doesn't really have the composure, I think, in that final third that's necessary. Uh, yeah, definitely not not Chrissy's finest moment. But, you know, can I blame him? No, he's a championship a player. Test. He's a championship player. Yeah. You can't go out and say, Christy, you've played terribly, but I expect better. I don't expect better, honestly. That's what he, that's what he does. Yeah. He's not meant to play in the Premier League. Like, he made his debut in the Premier League when we played against Palace. He's new to the league. He's not up to the task. I mean, and I think this kind of tells you the point when Pulis wouldn't even play him at Burrow. That shows he's not really even top quality championship. Right. He couldn't get a game from us last season against Ryan Fredericks. Right. This guy is not ready for the Premier League. He's a, he's a decent backup. But we're expecting way too much out of him, and we're going to have to for the next couple of weeks if that shoulder injury looks serious, you know? Okay, excellent there, Max. And uh, here are my thoughts on this. And again, Cyrus Christie, I want to see him do well, but I agree with him. I think he's a championship player. And when I look at Mensa, I see a player that has tremendous upside going forward, and also I think he could do a, a job defensively. We'll never know how he would have done against Richarlison for a full match. Uh, we should get that chance, hopefully, uh, when they play at Craven Cottage. And I'd like to see how that works out. But I just see so much more potential out of Mensa. And I think he is a Premier League player. So that, to me, is the difference on him. And uh, Cyrus Christie, I want to see him do as good as he can while he's going to be starting. But I think once Mensa can return, he'll be the starter. That's the way I look at that. All right, let's go to the center backs. Let's start with Tim Ream. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a six. This is what he wrote. His calmness on the ball was clear from the offset, and Fulham looked far more comfortable in possession of the ball at the back with him there. Listen, I agree with all that, but would you agree with the rating of a six? Uh, yeah, I would, actually. I think he didn't have a superb match. I don't think he deserved anything other than a six. And although there were some instances when he – Looked a little bit shaky, gave the ball away, played some you know dangerous square balls across the, the defense. He wasn't terrible either. I thought he was calming. Is The one word I'd say is calming. He calmed down that back four, and that's what we needed. So I'd say six, yes. Okay, excellent. All right, let's talk about Dennis Adoy. Ryan gives him a five. This is what he wrote. Decent defensive performance as he and Reem picked up where they left off last season in the championship. Lost track of Tosin's run for the second goal. Glad that he mentioned that. Five. Do you agree with that from Ryan? I'd say actually four and a half. You know, I, I, I said this last time. I like Dennis Adoy, but the, the, the two instances where he was really poor was giving away the penalty, very poor decision-making, and then losing Tosin. You know, that's just – that's amateur defending. That's not Premier League quality. Yep. And honestly, those are two very 
big defining moments in the match, and he's culpable for both of them. So I'd say four and a half. Okay. All right, let's go to the midfield. John Michael Surrey. Ryan gives him a six. This is what he wrote. Grew into the game and started to show that bit of class that the Ivorian possesses in midfield. Struggled to get onto the ball and have the same impact in the second half, but I could say that about the entire team. Do you agree or disagree with the rating for Jean-Michael Serre? I'm, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to say five. Okay. Again, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on him, but it's just because I, I expect so much out of him. This is a player who should be at the forefront of everything we do. And he has a knack for kind of drifting in, in and out of matches. And, and when you're playing in that central midfield position, especially in this formation, when that's just so key to how we play, you can't really be a passenger sometimes. You always have to be active. You always have to be involved. And my only concern with Sarri is he drifts in and out. And in matches like this away at Goodison, yeah. you cannot afford to just kind of take a couple minutes out of the match. You have to be at the heart of everything all the time. Okay, fair enough there, my friend. All right. Okay, Max, let's go on to Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa. Ryan gives him a five. This is what he wrote. Was beaten to the ball a number of times in the first half, despite sitting in the defensive midfield row. Covered space fairly well and put in a few really strong challenges over the course of the game. Do you agree with his rating for Ngisa? Much, much higher. I'm going to say seven. He was the most impressive player for me um, during the match. He was very authoritative. I, th- I thought he stamped out a lot of attacks, got stuck into the challenge very well, and also you know, started some of our attacks. He was our real kind of engine house of, of that team, powering through seven. I think his best performance yet in the foam kit. Okay, excellent. All right, Max, let's now talk about Ryan Sessignon. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a six. This is what he wrote. Did well defensively and got forward well, but should have scored in the first half, put Fulham 1-0 up. Was very quiet in the second half as Fulham struggled with Everton's intensity. Do you agree or disagree with his ratings for Sessignon? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with that. I might even go a little bit higher in six and a half, seven range because he was our most dangerous attacking player in that first half. You know, people forget, uh, as you mentioned as well yesterday, his cutback that found Charlotte in a lot of space. That was just excellent skill to, to leave Michael Keane for dead. That was just sumptuous. You'd love to see that from Sessignon. And he was a constant danger. He, of course, he had the shot, but <clears throat> he was also a really good option for us down the left. You know, we created a lot of chances down there in that first half. So I think it's true that he faded towards the second half, but he was still our most dangerous attacking threat. So I'd say six and a half. Okay, excellent. Let's now talk about Luciano Vieto. Ryan gives him a four. Was bright in the ball again, but his decision-making could have been better at times when there were better options on. Should have scored, but a poor heavy touch saw pick for claim. I, I can't get beyond that. So four or even less is fine by me. I like Vieto. I can see his potential, especially at Craven College. I think he'll be a better player at home. But what are your thoughts there? Do you agree with the rating? Yeah, I thought he was especially poor. Three and a half, I would say. And I think you make a good point. You know, we can't really look past that poor touch. And with attacking players, I'm always going to, you know, be open to writing off their mistakes because a lot of stuff happens. You're going to mess up. You have to take chances and things will happen. But with Vieto on Saturday, for me, that was his only attacking contribution. (laughs) So when that poor touch is the only thing that sticks in people's minds, you haven't done really anything of note in the entire match, that's what's going to define your performance and 
It was not a good one at all. I, I like Yeto, but I don't like him enough for him to keep his starting place, honestly. I would prefer to see Sassanion in, in his position in the next couple of matches because I just don't think Yeto is giving, giving us enough. Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, let's move on to Andre Sherla. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a five. This is what he wrote. Saw a fair bit of the ball in the number 10 position, but struggled to do much with it, often finding himself crowded out as he cut inside. Want to get your thoughts on this? Again, we just talked about Vieto. I have a hard time getting over his opportunity at the beginning of the match. Again, I look at someone like um, Gilfried Sigurdsson. Two great opportunities. He scored on both of them. Sherwin needed to do better than this, and I would have gone a little bit lower. I don't know about you, yeah. but that's my thoughts on Sherwin, and Ryan gave him a five. Yeah, slightly lower, I'd say, you know, four and a half range for me. You know, we just were, to be not, better. We were not clinical. That's the one no. thing that just resounds to me for this entire attacking performance, and Cessnion included. You know, I'm, I'm going to give Cessnion some stick. I don't like doing it, but I'm going to have to say none of us were clinical on Saturday. And if we're more clinical, we take our chances, it's a very, very different match. If we can't finish, we're, we don't deserve to get stuff out of these kind of away matches. And every player in that front line, probably bar Mitrovic, was not clinical. And you can blame Mitrovic because he didn't really get any attacking opportunities. He barely had any chances. So he didn't. No, no one in that front four uh, stood out as being particularly impressive, honestly. Okay, very good. All right, let's talk about Mitro. Ryan gives Alexander Mitrovic a six. This is what he wrote. Didn't see much of the ball in dangerous positions during that first half, but his hold-up play allowed others into the game. That is always true. Fulham had very little attempts on goal. A frustrating afternoon for the striker. And I remember watching the match, Max, and the uh, announcers talking about the play that of Zuma and Keane, how they were doing such a good job on Mitro was what was going on there more about Fulham not getting him involved enough or was it about Zuma and Keane? I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think Zuma and Keane are particularly well-suited to play against someone like Mitrovic because they are both physical big center halves. But overall, you can't say they did a great job because they didn't really have much to do. There was not many opportunities when Mitrovic could run at them or kind of get in the end of crosses. So I think they had a much easier day than they probably anticipated you know, uh, as center backs. And I think a six maybe is generous. I'd probably say five and a half. Okay. Five, just because, you know, with the exception of the shot he put over in the first half, what other opportunities did Mitrovic have? He didn't. He didn't. But I'm glad that Ryan keeps mentioning his hold-up play because I think that is pivotal to getting his teammates involved and in, in the flow that Fulham have can go right through Mitrovic, which I think is uh, important to let everyone know that he's doing part of his job because I remember all the criticism that Bobby Zamora used to get. And um, I know that he'll always be labeled as how many goals he scores, but I think he does more. And I think Mitro, you have to remember, it's not just the goals he scores, it's uh, what he does for his teammates. I just want to mention that. All right, we've already talked about Cyrus Christie. We have to talk about the other two substitutes. Ryan gives them both a five. This is what he said about Tom Kearney. Had a few decent touches after coming on, but playing a more advanced number 10 role didn't really have the impact he usually does. And Florite came on with seven minutes left in the tie, but didn't have any time to affect proceedings. I don't know if you can really talk too much about Aite, but I think you can talk a little bit about Kearney. What are your thoughts about those ratings? Yeah, I think five is kind of the good average to put someone who didn't really have an impact on the match. 
and Aite didn't do anything. I think that's fair to say. He's a five. Kearney, I think uh, he just wasn't really involved in, in the way we expect him to be. Um, had some, I guess, decent touches, but for a player like him, he's not what you automatically think of as an impact sub because he's someone that kind of takes time to get into the flow. He likes to get his passing game going. Not really someone to bring on to make an immediate difference, in my opinion. So you can't really expect him to change the match in the 15 minutes he was on the pitch. Okay. Excellent there, my friend. Listen, thank you so much for doing the show. Again, we've been doing the trilogies together for uh, three weeks now. So uh, (laughs) thank you for your time, Max. I know it's uh, valuable. have a lot going on. So just thanks, my friend. That was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on again. I, college talk is, as I always say, the best time of the week. And you spend a lot of time thinking about the matches. I just need a win here, Russ. We just need a win. Imagine how nice this would be after a win. Well, let's just say that if you look forward, there are winnable matches coming up. And uh, people can look at Arsenal and, and write it off altogether. I'm not doing that. I, I know... We discussed, obviously, at the beginning of the show, this situation at fullback with both of them. So that's a problem, and that's something that they're going to have to figure out going into the match. But uh, I still want to give Fulham a a shot to beat Arsenal. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about that upcoming this week on Cottage Talk. And then, of course, we will have our trilogy of post-match shows, which are always fun to do. And I always find something interesting out of all of them. So... I have to thank you and uh, everyone else that's done these post-match shows. They've been uh, so much fun to do. But let's wrap this up. From my co-host, Max Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.